Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton. Our episode today is from our series, Living God's Way. As we transition into our new normal, we need to recognize that our world has changed. Although our lives may look differently, this can be a tremendous opportunity for us individually and as a church to truly live out what God desires for our lives. We hope you enjoy. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have some available guest services. Um, we would also um, love to recommend the YouVersion app. It's a free app. It's available on any smartphone or any device. You can download it for free, and it's, it can even read it to you. It's got every translation on there. It's awesome. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I said before, we've been in a series called Living God's Way. Throughout this summer, we've been walking through the book of 1 Peter, and we've been understanding how, if we are to be like Christ, what does that look like? What does that mean? And we've been learning from Peter. And again, if you missed last week, I would highly encourage you to go to our website, yankton.church. You can also go to our YouTube channel and watch the message. Um, you can listen to our podcast as well if you'd like to do that. We have that available. But really, it's really going to set up the rest of us this series that we're going to be going through. Because again, last week, we talked about how everything has changed in our world. And we talked about the difference between being a canoer and a mountain climber. Now again, if that doesn't make, make sense to you, go back and watch last week, because I want you to understand that. Because as a church, what we're deciding is that we're going to be mountain climbers. That we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to push forward and we're going to show other people how God's love can change their lives. And what that looks like and what that means in our church and in our world today. I highly encourage like I said, to go back and watch that and see what that says. And I wanted to give you that date of September 20th. You might want to write that date down. As a church, over the next few weeks, we're going to be learning what it means to be mountain climbers. And on the September 20th, we're going to be launching a brand new series. And it's really, I think, going to be kind of a turning point for us as a church as we go into the community and as we love people the way that God loved them as well. So I'm just excited about that. Thank you for being here this, today. And uh, again, 1 Peter chapter 4. As we get started here, I, I got something to share with you. Everything God created, He created for success. I'm going to say that again. Everything that God created, God created for success. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, the first five words of the Bible are, In the beginning, God created. And everything God created, He created for what? Oh, church, that's weak. Let's try that again. If you're watching online, say along with us. Everything God created, He created for what? Good. Success, right? Everything God created, He created for success. And to be successful, God gave everything He created two things. And these two things are everything in creation, including myself and everyone in this room. We all have these two things. God gave everything in creation a name, and He gave it a purpose. God gave everything in creation a name and a purpose. And if you want to be successful the way that God has designed you to be success, you need to know your name and you need to know your purpose. And when we struggle in life, it's because we forgot one of those two things. Now, maybe you've heard the story back in the Bible where God created all the animals, right? And God created Adam and he had Adam name all the animals. Remember this part, right? Well, I heard a guy tell it this way one time. Um, God brought an animal to Adam, and God said, Adam, name this animal. And Adam was like, okay, cow. 
All right? And then Adam says, well, what's its purpose, God? God says, well, the purpose is it's going to give you nourishment. It's going to give you, you know, feeding. Oh, great. Okay, that's great. So God brought another animal to Adam, and God said, Adam, name this animal. And Adam said, horse. And Adam says, okay, what's its purpose? And God's like, well, it's, it's to bring you, um, uh, it's to be a helper to you. You can ride it. You can use it for farming, those types of things. That's what its purpose is. Okay, great, great. So God brought another animal to Adam. Adam named this animal. Adam looks at him and he says, cat. He said, God, what's its purpose? And God said, I had no purpose at all. <laughs> now, if you're keeping score, that's two cat jokes in a row, all right, and two weeks in a row. Now, if you're a cat lover, you're like, oh, that's not terrible. But most of you are laughing right now, so I can see where you're at with that, okay? <laughs> Here's my point in saying that. If you forget your purpose, you forget what you're doing, and you're not going to be successful. And there's so many things so many people in life that are struggling with their purpose and they're not feeling that they're successful in life. So you gotta know those two things. You gotta know your name, you gotta know your purpose. So here's what we're gonna do. This is gonna be interactive this morning, all right? You gotta stay with me, okay? And if you're watching online, you gotta play along. I know it's weird talking to a screen, but we can hear you, I promise, all right? Here we go. On the count of three, I want everybody here to say their name. Just your first name, all right? Everybody say your first name, ready? One, two, three. Errol. That's a wonderful name, Wabushbaba. That's a, that's a great name. God gave you a great name, all right? Good job, and watch online too as well. Now, I have a question for you. If I said one, two, three, I want you to say your purpose, I wonder how many of you would be as confident as you were about your name. See, we, we know our name, and God has given us our name. You, know, you might say, my mama gave me my name. No, no, no. My Bible says that my God knew me before the creation of the world, okay? God gave you your name. God knew who you were. He knew when you were going to be born. He knew where you were going to be born. There are some pregnancies that are not planned, but there are no pregnancies that are a mistake. Every person that is here is here because God designed to put them there. He gave you a name, and he gave you what? A purpose. A purpose. So we're going to talk about that today. We need to know what our purpose is. Because if you don't know, you will try to seek your purpose in so many other different places. I hear people say, if I could just find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, then I could find my purpose. See, my purpose is in a relationship, a marriage. I hear people say, my purpose is in what I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a doctor. I'm a whatever. Whatever God. That's my skill. That's my purpose. That's why God put me here. That's what I do. I'm a pastor. Those types of things. I hear people say, my purpose is to make money and be successful and be, be financially wealthy. Or others would say, my purpose is to have a good name and a good reputation so people respect me and admire me and look up to me. And the problem with all of those things is that's not your purpose. Not one of those things is your purpose. And here's why. Because all those things will go away. One day, all of those things will go away. I love my wife, Elaine. We have an amazing marriage. Someday, that marriage is going to end. And if she leaves or if one of us go home to be with Jesus, what's my purpose? If my purpose is tied to Elaine, I'm going to be lost. And I see it time and time and time again where people will get a divorce or lose a spouse and they lose their purpose in life because that's where they have attached their purpose to. So many people in life have attached their purpose to their job and their career and what they do. And then when they hit the retirement age or they lose their job, they look back and they go, now what's my purpose? I feel lost. I don't feel like I have a purpose. It's because that's the wrong purpose. So many people that put their purpose in their financial security and their 401k and their retirement plan, and they get there or they hit a tough financial stretch like we're in right now, 
And they go, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's because that's not your purpose. Or when we look for approval of human people, and we, we want to have those relationships, those friendships, those are where I find my purpose. But the problem is we're all sinful, broken people. <laughs> and people will let you down, no matter how much they love you. They will hurt you. They will turn their back on you. They will betray you. And if that's where you put your purpose, you will be disappointed every single time. So what is our purpose? We need to be successful. God created us for success. And if we want to be successful, we have to know our name and we have to know our purpose. And thank God, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, shares what our purpose is. And I'm going to put it on the screen. I want this to, let's read this out loud together on the screen. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Did you catch it? That's your purpose. You are to have the same attitude as Jesus. Or as I say, we like to live like Jesus. Your purpose is to live like Jesus. What's your purpose? Live like Jesus. Okay, I want to say it like this. I'm going to count down you. I want to hit one, two, three. I want to hear your name again. Ready? One, two, three. What's your name? Carol. What's your purpose? Live like Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to do that a lot. Again, if you're watching online, play along, okay? Because we need to know that. We need to live like Jesus. That's our purpose. Our vision statement as a church, if you look at your note sheet on the back, on the front side there, we have all that information about Celebrate Church. Our vision statement is we want people to meet Jesus. That's what we want to do. And we talked about that last week. But also, like we said, for this to happen, if we want people to meet Jesus, I need to live like Jesus. That's my purpose. I, I need to live like Jesus so people will see Jesus in me, and then we can help them to meet Jesus. So today... We're going to talk about four characteristics of people who live like Jesus. Again, on your note sheet. You might want to write these down. We're going to be talking about them. Life groups this week, we're going to be walking through what these things mean. So again, if you take notes, bring them to your life group, we can discuss these. The four characteristics of people who live like Jesus. Here's the first one is, they're centered. People who live like Jesus are centered. Every single person is centered on something. The question is what? <laughs> and a lot of times, if we're honest, we're centered on ourselves. That's the center of us. Now, if you're going to live like Jesus, what should you be centered on? Romans 8, verse 5, says it like this. Those who live according to the flesh will have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's pretty simple, church. You're either living for yourself or you're living for God's spirit. It's one of those two things. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not optional. You are to live by the spirit. And here's what the Bible says. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're living by the spirit, you are dead to yourself. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you are a follower of Christ, you are dead to yourself. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie. It's, it's a terrible movie. It's in the 80s. And it's called Weekend at Bernie's. Anybody in this room seen Weekend at Bernie's? Okay, a few people. It's terrible, right? Okay, if, if you're not familiar with this movie, don't waste your time, please. I'm going to save you a whole bunch of heart. It's, it's terrible. But I want to give you the premise of this movie. If you're not familiar with it, okay? Weekend at Bernie's. There is these two guys... And they're going to go spend the weekend at their boss's house. Their boss has invited them to come to this beach house and spend the weekend at the beach house. 
Well, they get to the beach house and they find out their boss is dead. Okay, and and for whatever reason, again, it doesn't make sense. It's stupid. They decide that they want to make keep their boss pretend like their boss is still alive. So they move him around and they take him out to the store and they have him on a boat. And it's just it's it's just stupid. It's as stupid as it sounds, right? Okay, but here's the thing: it's not the stupidest movie ever made. That movie is really dumb. But I'm going to tell you a dumber movie that they made. We did at Bernie's too. All right, they made a sequel to this movie. Can you imagine? Like, how do you even do that? Like, the body. The, I don't get it. I don't understand it. So why am I saying all that? I think that as a follower of Jesus Christ, sometimes we play weekend at Bernie's. We take that old dead self. Remember that that we just learned we we've died with Christ, but yet we'll pull it out every once in a while. We'll show it around. Maybe we're around people and, and we don't want to give the impression that we're some kind of weird Christian. So we'll, we'll pull out some of those dead behaviors and we'll start smelling around. Or, or we're trying to lug around this guilt or the shame that's dead, that crisis is over, it's done with. And it's something from my past that I've done that I just keep beating myself up about. And I keep dragging this dead body around with me. And Jesus says, no, it, it's done. It's taken care of. See, we can't live for ourselves. We need to live by our spirit. And so who are we centered on? And if you think about the life of Jesus, Jesus was centered on the Spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that he was God. And even though he had the same power, the same equality with God, he humbled himself and became a man. And by doing that, he had a choice to make, just like you and I do. We could focus on ourselves and make ourselves a focus, or we could live by the Spirit. You know what Jesus chose to do? Jesus chose to live by the Spirit. The Bible says, Jesus tells us, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Those that were gone. So if you're a follower of Jesus, your focus is no longer on you. Your focus is on how can I get as many people as I can who don't know Jesus to follow them. Because the focus isn't on me anymore. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Again, where's his focus? It's on other people. How can I serve? How can I love them? Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but I only do what my Father says. When you make a decision in your life, how many times do you rely on your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own understanding, and how many times do you instead say, no, God, I'm going to take a step back, and I'm going to listen to what you have to say, and I'm going to follow you. That's what it means to be centered on the Spirit. Jesus would intentionally go away from crowds, and he would spend time alone with his Heavenly Father. He would do that almost every day. Are you doing the same thing? Do I doing the same thing? If we want to be centered on the Spirit, not ourselves, we need to make sure we're doing that. Jesus forgave other people even when they didn't deserve it. His own, one of his closest friends betrayed him and led to his death, and all of his friends abandoned him, but yet he still forgave him. And as he's hanging on the cross, dying for nothing that he did wrong, he said, what? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. See, Jesus was centered on the Spirit. He didn't have to be, but he chose to be. So if you want to live like Christ, we need to be centered on the Spirit. So on the count of three, I want you to tell me your name. One, two, three. And then I want you to tell me your purpose. What's your purpose? Live like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Good job. That's going well. All right. Here's the second thing that they are. If you want to live like Jesus, you're changed. If you want to live like Jesus, you are changed. Look at what 1 Peter says, verse 3. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. 
And then he gives a list here. He says, living in debauchery. That's a weird word. What does debauchery mean? Well, it means pleasure. It means if it feels good, do it. Lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Then look what Peter says. They're surprised. <laughs> They're surprised that you don't join in them with their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse upon you. When you live like Jesus, people are going to see a change. And for some of us, it's been a dramatic change in our life. Some of us were involved in a lot of that stuff. And now we've been changed and we see that. And if you were here last week, we talked about something that was kind of controversial. And I made a controversial statement and I'm going to say it again today. I said, I don't think we need to share our faith anymore. We've been teaching we need to share our faith. We need to share our faith. We need to share our faith. I don't think we need to do that anymore. And we looked at verse chap uh, chapter 3 of Peter, where Peter says, don't share your faith. Share your what? Oh, nobody remembers. <laughs> share your hope. Share your hope. We want, want to share your faith. We want to share our hope. Because when we try to share our faith, people will look at that and they'll say, that's weird. Why are you doing that? And what you can do is you can share your hope. When your life is changed, people will notice. I want to give you two words to kind of help you unpack this. When you talk about living changed. And the two words are felt and found. Felt and found. When you're living a changed life, think about these two words, felt and found. And I want to give you some practical things. Again, when you're in conversations, when you're living life, when you're talking with people, how can you share your hope? Felt, found. This is how I felt. Once upon a time in my life, I felt really defeated. I felt like nothing I could do would make a difference. There were times in my life where I felt alone. I felt like nobody cared about me at all. There were times in my life where I felt really unworthy, like I could never measure up to the expectations that I had or that others had for me. There were times where I felt really anxious and nervous and I would worry about things all the time. There were times that I felt fill in the blank. But then I want to tell you what I found. I found victory in Jesus Christ. I found that he is conquered over everything, including death. I found community. I found a group of people that I can come and I can share my life with. And they can support me and they can pray for me and they can love me. I found community. I found forgiveness. Even though I didn't feel like I deserved it, I found that I could forgive other people for what they've done for me. And most importantly, I could forgive the hardest person to forgive, which is myself. And I found forgiveness. I found peace. Instead of worrying and being anxious and not, not knowing what's going to happen, I found peace, and that comes from Jesus Christ. See, felt versus found. Felt versus found. We're changed. God has changed us. And if God has changed you, it's the difference between felt and found. And church, I just can't say this enough, and I'll just say it over and over again. We have a world that is dying, literally dying of thirst, because they need to know that. They know the difference between felt and found. And we have the opportunity to be that light. I grew up in a very small town. Now, when I say a very small town, I just want to quantify what that means, because that can mean lots of things. In South Dakota, obviously, it probably means something different. But I grew up in a town where in my graduating senior class, okay, graduating senior class, there was 29 people, including myself. All right, that's how small it was. Now, the vast majority of those people I had grown up with. What I mean is they were in my kindergarten class, they were in first grade, all the way through 13 years I spent time with these people. How many people are from a small town? How many can relate? Okay, I just want to see my people, okay, right? Most of us probably can relate to this. 
So I grew up with these people, and, and let's just say it like this. I'll just I'll say it when we were broadcasting this online. If you're watching and you're one of my classmates, I love you. I really do. Um, let's just say you get to know people really well. Can I just say it that way, right? You get to know people, and some people, um, maybe they kind of rub you the wrong way. Or, or, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so you grow up with people, you get to know them. And then we have these things, and I don't know if they still do this, maybe they don't. We have these things called high school annuals. Anybody have an annual in high school, right? With everybody's picture, right? You know what I'm talking about, okay? Right, how many still have theirs? Oh, phew, let's bring them next week, right? That was fun. They were like, no, no. So one of the things that we did, and maybe you did this too, is we would write in people's annuals, right? And we, we would write little messages in there and stuff. And, and you remember this? These are fun. If you still have yours, go back and read them. It's hilarious, by the way. But one of the things that I saw in mine, um, a lot of people wrote, and I probably wrote it in theirs too. I don't remember. It's been years ago. But they wrote the phrase, don't ever change, right? Anybody ever had that? Right? Don't ever change. And I thought about that, and I was thinking about that in my mind. I was like, some of the people I should have probably wrote, hey, try changing, okay? <laughs> like, you probably need to change, all right? That's what's being honest, right? And, and a couple years until my parents, my parents moved from my hometown, so I don't have any connection there at all at, with really anyone. But uh, probably, I don't know, eight years ago or so, we went back and they had an all-school reunion, so everybody came back, which meant that you know 80% of the people still live in town anyway. <laughs> right? So it was a big trip for them, but I decided, for whatever reason, to go back and uh, see the people that were there. And it was fun. I I'm glad that I did it. It was nice. I don't have any desire to do it again. Um, but uh, I realized that some of the people really hadn't changed. It had been almost 20 years, and I'm sitting there thinking, you're like the same person you were in third grade, <laughs> and, and you're here. So why am I telling you all that? I hope that you change. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope there's a change in your life. You know what I hope? I hope one year from right now, everybody who's in this room, I hope you're still in this room, but I hope you're a completely different person. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with where you're at right now. Please don't hear that. But what I'm saying is, as you're on a journey of following Jesus Christ, you change. God changes your heart. God changes your mind. I, I shared this last week. Um, as a pastor, I'm not the same guy who came here three years ago. I, I'm not the same guy who was here a year ago. I, I'm, I'm just telling you this, and people who are close to me right now have seen this. I'm not the same pastor I was before COVID. It doesn't change. It's changed me. It's changed in my heart. And when you, again, as you follow Jesus, as you learn more and more about being what it means to be a believer and what it truly means to follow Jesus, it will change you. And that's a good thing because we grow more like Christ. If you're like Christ, you need to change. Look at what Matthew 5, this is Jesus talking. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Church, changed lives change lives. Change lives, change lives. When you have a conversation with somebody, you said, this is how I felt, this is how I saw, and now look what I found. There's no argument for that. They can't discuss theology or what the Bible says. They can see a changed life and say, wow, there's something to that, and now I want to know that. If you live for Jesus, you will live changed. So on the count of three, I want everybody to say their name. Ready? One, two, three. And what's your purpose? Like Jesus. This is getting good. Here's the third thing that we are. If you want to live like Jesus, you are committed. You are committed. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is near. Well, there's a happy thought, right? The end of all things is near. 
Therefore, be alert and sober of mind so that you may pray. If today was your last day on planet Earth, what would you do? How would you spend your time? If you had 24 hours to live, you've had this question before, right? You had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Now, some of you might do some things that maybe not very godly. I'm just saying, all right? <laughs> but to think through that, what would you do if today was your last day on earth? But actually, I want to give you a better question. Instead of asking, what would I do if today was my last day on earth? This is the question I want to ask instead. If today was my last day on earth, what wouldn't I do? See, I think that's a better question. And I was thinking about that in my own life. Here's, here's a list of things that I came up with. These are some things that if today was my last day on planet Earth, I probably wouldn't do these things, okay? The first thing I wouldn't do is I probably wouldn't watch Netflix. <laughs> now, am I against that? I love Netflix, all right? Hulu, all of them. I think it's great. Don't, it's not, don't cancel your subscription. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if I only had 24 hours in my life to live, I wouldn't waste time doing that. I'd kind of be a waste of my time. So that's, this is just me talking. Think of your own list. Here's another thing that I wouldn't do. I wouldn't pick a fight with my family. Not on purpose. Now it might still happen, right? But, but I, I wouldn't. I would try to, to spend time with them and love them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue about who did the dishes or who didn't do the dishes. That wouldn't matter at all, would it? Here's the other thing I wouldn't do. I, I wouldn't be worried about my 401k. <laughs> now, should you have a 401k? Yes. Should you be concerned with retirement? Should you have life insurance? Yes, I believe in all that stuff. Please be responsible. But what I'm saying is, if this was my last day on earth, I wouldn't be worried about that. I can guarantee you one thing that I wouldn't give a moment's thought to would be the presidential election, okay? I could care less if this is my last day on earth. In fact, I might even be a little bit like, see you guys, you guys figure it out, right, okay? I wouldn't give a moment's notice to that. Because here's the thing I want you to understand, church. Not one person in this room is guaranteed tomorrow. We live with an arrogant ignorance that thinks that I can take care of this tomorrow and I can take care of this and not one person in this room is guaranteed tomorrow. So what I want you to ask the question is today I need to be committed. And if you want to really live committed, you need to decide what you will do. And here's the thing, if you say yes, I'm gonna write, you might want to write this down. If you say yes to the right things, you will automatically say no to the wrong things. If you want to live your life committed, say yes to the right things, and then you will automatically say no to the wrong things. Here, I'll, I'll use my examples again. I'll use the example of my family. I say I'm committed to my family, okay? Here's what I want you to know. I love this church. I love pastoring this church. I've been called by God to do it, and as long as God allows me to do it, I'm here and I'm going to do that. But here's what I want everyone in this church to know, and I've said this from the day I moved down here, and I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. There will come a day where I will no longer be pastor of this church. That will happen. But no matter when that day comes, I will always be Elaine Todd's husband. So as I'm pastoring this church, I want you to understand something. She is always my number one priority. Right after my relationship with God, my wife is always the number one priority. And right after that is my sons, Caleb and Joshua. I will always be their father. And so as I pastor this church, I always have to keep that in mind. That they always come first. They are always my first ministry in life. And if I choose the church over them, guess what? They feel it. They know it. And am I guilty of that? Oh yeah, I've been guilty of that before. But they're my priority and I'm committed to them. 
I am absolutely committed to building relationships with people who have a desire to know Jesus Christ. I'm absolutely that. I'll spend my time. I will meet with them. I will talk with them. And here's the reason why. I have friendships with people who are not believers. And I spend time with them, and I'm intentional about that because I want to be committed to helping them understand who their Jesus is. Because I don't know when my last day is going to be here. And I don't want to stand before God one day and say, I wish I would have said this to so-and-so. I don't want to have that on my heart. I want to tell them now because I've had too many friends that have, that have left, that have died. And you don't get a second chance to do that, church. Here's what I want to do. I want to forgive. I want to be abounding in grace. I want to show up. Why would you harbor bitterness and anger? Why would you, why would you hold on to those things? Life is too short. I've been to too many funerals where I've heard said people stand there crying and I wish I had, I wish I could have been back there. And I just get frustrated because you have that chance. You can let go of those things. I'm going to be committed to God's word. If I'm going to stand with God for all eternity, I better get to know him a little bit down here on earth. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to spend time with God and spend time with his word. I'm going to be committed to that. I'm going to be committed to prayer, not only for myself and for the church, but for other people as well. Because if I believe that God moves through prayer, I better be committed to it. I'm going to be committed to this church. And, and I, just want to be, I just want to be honest with you guys. I love you. I love being your pastor. And, and it's, it's such a joy in my heart to do that. And, and I want to do everything I can. And, and Elaine and I have talked about this. If it, if it ends up just being her and I in this church, I want you to know I'm okay with that. But I'm going to be committed to it. Because I believe with all my heart that the local church is the hope of the world. And, and I want to surround myself with brothers and sisters who are committed to that. And saying, I want to be God's church in this community. And, and I want to be the pastor of that. And that's what I want to give my life to, church. Because our time is short. It's like a breath and it goes away. We need to be committed to that. And if you say yes, what are those things in your life that you need to say yes to? Because if you say yes to the right things, you will automatically say no to the wrong things. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, So then, let us not be like others. There it is again. Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us wake up and be sober. There's a lot of talk about being woke right now, right? That, that phrase, oh, I'm woke. There, there it is right there. You're woke. Now you're all woke. Good job. <laughs> be committed to Christ, right? See, in life, we all want something. And I, and I hear it a lot. We hear it a lot in culture right now. We want our freedom. We want freedom. We want freedom financially. We want to be free from financials. We want to be free from tyranny. We want to be free from government telling us what to do. We want, to be, we want to be free in our relationships. We want to be free with our time. We all want freedom. But here's the problem. <laughs> with freedom comes another word that we don't like. And it was in that verse. It's that word sober. Now, if, if you've been here before, we talked about this. When we think of sober, we think of alcohol, right? And, and really what, what the word there means, it means self-control. Which again, is what sober means. You're, not, you're in control, not the alcohol, right? So if you want freedom in your life, you need to be self-controlled. You need to have discipline. But the problem is we don't like discipline, do we? <laughs> we don't like it when we are disciplined. And the Bible tells us that God disciplines us for our own good because he's a father and he loves us. We don't like it. It's not pleasant. But God does it to help us get back on track. And we also need to be disciplined. Look at finances again. If you want to be financially free, are you financially disciplined? 
There's a lot of talk right now about a stimulus package, and, and people are saying, oh, I can't wait to get that other stimulus from the government. Wherever you're at on that politically, I'm not trying to make this political, I just wonder if maybe I'm being disciplined with the money that God's given me, I might not have to wait for the government to bail me out. I'm just throwing that out there, okay? And, and, and I'm not trying to make waves, I'm just saying, discipline. If you want freedom in your life, you need to be disciplined. And that's where our commitment comes in. Are you committed to being disciplined? Because that's what God wants us to do. If we want to live like Jesus, we need to be committed. So one more time, on the count of three, I want you to say your name. One, two, three. What's your purpose? Here's the last one. And they get harder. <laughs> they contribute. If you want to live like Jesus, we contribute. Look at what verse 10 says. Each of you, that means all of us, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I don't know what your house is like growing up. I don't know what your, your situation was growing up. But uh, in your house, when you were growing up, imagine back when you were a kid. Did your parents or whoever you lived with, did they ever come into your room and say, oh, sweetheart, you know, I love you. Um, and if it's not too much trouble, if, if, if you could find it in your schedule, um, would you mind, would it be okay if maybe you picked up your room? Okay. Did anybody's parent ever talk to him like that? Okay. Mine didn't. <laughs> my, my parents found other ways to motivate me to do, okay, you know what I'm saying, right? We, we find other ways to motivate our kids. And, and here's what I'm going with that, saying it. As part of the family, there are certain expectations that you contribute to. It's the same in the home, and it's the same in the church as well. There are certain things that because you're part of this house, imagine growing up, you know, picking up after yourself, cleaning your room, doing those things, taking care. There are certain things that as part of this family you will contribute to because you're part of this family, and it's the same thing as a church. As a church family, there are certain things that we are required to contribute to. Now, as I say that, I think most people automatically go to money. <laughs> oh, okay, pastor, I get it. Now I'm supposed to give money. Okay, now just wait. Hold, hold on to that. Am I talking about money? Actually, yeah. <laughs> I am. Because God's word is pretty clear on that. God's word says that the first 10% that I get from God, I automatically return it to him. Not out of guilt or obligation, but out of, out of worship to him. And again, it comes in that freedom. Am I control? I want to be in control. Tithing means I just let it go. And I let it go and I let God. Now, I've, I've preached that in this church from the beginning. I'm going to continue to do that. But I've shared before, we're, we're, we're in a different season. And, and we're, we're about climbing mountains now. So I want to walk you through something that's a little bit different. Because I have a dear friend in my life that, that's a wonderful mentor to me. And he said, you know, you know Jeff, if people will get their hearts right with Jesus Christ, and if people get themselves with their love in Jesus and living like Jesus, do you know something's going to happen? You won't even have to preach on tithing. It'll just happen. It'll just flow out of who they are. And so that's what I'm going for. And, and I want to share with you something that really happened that was really cool. This happened actually during COVID. And uh, there's, there's somebody who's part of this church who I love dearly. And uh, they came to me and they said, Pastor, I, I need to apologize. And that's always, what? <laughs> What's going on? And they said, well, I want you to know I haven't been tithing. And they felt really guilty about that. And I said, well, walk me through that. What's going on? Well, they've been without a job. They haven't been working, so they haven't been tithing. And they felt guilty about that. And I just smiled. <laughs> and I said, what's 10% is zero? <laughs> and they laughed. And I'm like, they're like, zero. I said, then you have been tithing. See? 
But why do I tell you that story? Here's why I tell you that story, church. Do you hear the heart behind that? Do you hear the heart behind that? I, I wish I had an income pastor so I could return back to God and give back to God what he's given to me already. That's somebody who loves Jesus. That's somebody who lives like Jesus. And you know what's going to happen to this person? They're going to go to work. They're going to find a job. And guess what the first thing they're going to say to their coworkers is? I'm so happy that I have this job. Man, I was out of work. I was struggling. And now I get an income. And now I can tithe back to my church again. <laughs> and they're going to be like, what? <laughs> That's weird, right? You're going to do what kind of church? You Look, No, no, let me tell you. It's, it's an act of worship. See, that's a heart. You see what I'm saying? That, that we don't have to talk about it then. It's just who we are. It's an outflowing of who we are. And I just wanted to say this because I know it, it always comes up when I talk about it. And I just, I just want to share it with you. As a church family, God, God has provided for us. Every, every, every step along this way and every season we've gone through, God has always provided for us. And I can tell you story after story for the last month of how God has shown up in mighty ways financially in our church. So I say that to say, if you're sitting there and you're kind of on the defense right now, just wait, just hold back. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking for you to do that. What I'm saying is, is my God loves you. And as part of God's family, if you are part of God's family, your job is to contribute. And that's what we need to do. Now, I have to say this too. There's one member of the family who doesn't have to contribute. Did you know that? In every family, there's one person that never has to contribute. And that's the guest. Okay? Think about this. If you went to somebody's house and they invited you over for supper, and you walk in the door, and the first thing they say to you is, hey, let's, uh, great, glad you're here. Why don't you go in the kitchen and wash the dishes, and when you're done with that, can you vacuum the living room for me? Okay? How many of you are coming back to that house? <laughs> None of you, right? They're not having supper. They're trying to get you to work. All right? So the guest doesn't have to. So if you're here and you're a first-time guest, welcome home. We're glad that you're here. We don't expect you to contribute. Please hear that. And, and not even financially. That's, that's a between you and God. But if you're part of this family, if this is your church home, it is something that we ask you to do. And not just financially, as I said before. It's about your time and your talents. God has given each one of us gifts and abilities. How are you using them to further God's kingdom? How are you using those gifts and talents to contribute here as a family? One of the things that we've done, and this is on purpose, by the way, um, we changed our time. Many of you know before COVID or even during our online COVID season, we would start our gathering right at 10 o'clock. And now what we say, and, and you might want to write these down if, if you're not familiar or you didn't hear this before, um, this is how we've been describing it. Our doors open at 9 o'clock. That's when the doors open, 9 o'clock. We have communion as a, as a family every Sunday at 10 o'clock. So every Sunday at 10 o'clock, we have communion together as a family. And then at 10.30, that's when we start our worship gathering time together. Now, that might sound a little confusing, and you might ask, so which what time should I show up? And the answer is yes. <laughs> and that's why we do it that way, is because we're saying, hey, as a family, this is who we are. This is what we do. Now, here's the thing that we found, and I just want to tell you something, because we're learning, right? And I said over the next six weeks, we're kind of learning as a church. We're changing some things. We're doing some stuff. Here's what we've learned. We've learned that we might not have to come in at 9 o'clock anymore, because... We have simplified our stuff so much, and it's really quick. And we actually had someone show up today, and it was we were already done. So I'm thinking that we might have to change that. And so what I'm saying is, as you know, we're portable. Everything in here has to come in and out of a trailer. As you see, that's a lot less now. What I'm wondering is, is maybe as a church family, maybe we just set up a calendar. 
And maybe we say, hey, this Sunday I'm going to come in at 9.30, and four people can knock it all out in 20 minutes, and it's up and it's ready to go. And maybe then the next week, four other people come in. And maybe the next week, four other people come in. Or maybe there's some people that are awesome and they just want to come in every week because that's just what they want to do is they want to help and serve and be part of that. See, that's what it means to be a family and contribute to that. See where I'm going with that? And, and then, like I said, at 10 o'clock, we're doing communion together. I love communion. I just think I've just been learning a lot of stuff on communion and God's just been doing some stuff in my heart. I believe more than ever that communion is our family meal. You know, as a kid, when you're growing up, you have a family meal together, right? That's our time to come together. It's our time to, to remember what God's done for us. It's our time to worship together. It's a time of confession. If there's some things in your life that you say, hey, I need to get rid of, I need to confess that, do it at that time. And then let it go, and then let's worship God together. That's why we do it. And then at 1030, again, if you're a guest, you came at the right time. <laughs> 1030, right? And when you invite people to come, you can tell them, come at 1030. Because they might feel uncomfortable coming earlier than that, or not. Um, so that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand that. Because here as a family, we contribute. If you're part of our family, we contribute. That's who we are. I have a friend um, who got a really cool opportunity that he told me about. And I thought, this is really neat. Um, he got a chance, he and his wife and two other couples got a chance to go to a friend's of theirs in San Diego. Um, and it's beautiful out there. If you've been out to San Diego, it's gorgeous. And they got a chance to go out on his friend owns a yacht. And they were out in the harbor on this big yacht, and it's like huge. Like it makes the ones here look like little toys, right? Okay, huge yacht. And so here out on the yacht, and they're in the harbor, and his friend is going around to these like about six different people, and he's kind of explaining this stuff about the yacht. So this is how the sail goes here, and this rope goes here, and this is the turning, and all walking through all this stuff. And they're watching it, and he has actually has them help him like move the sails and practice, and they're having fun. They're talking about it, and so then they decide to go out to the ocean. Okay, so they break. Uh, raise the anchor from harbor they float out into the ocean and he said it's just beautiful you know just gorgeous out there in the wide open ocean on the sailboat they're just having fun they're doing stuff and then all of a sudden the guy drops a bomb on him <laughs> he says oh hey by the way today there's actually a sailboat race and he said, oh, and by the way, we're actually enrolled in the sailboat race, and all you guys are now my crew <laughs> and then he said this he said, oh, and by the way I expect to win. <laughs> and my friend was like, oh, we all got kind of nervous, okay? Because this is, this is a big deal, big time, right? So they're out there doing stuff. And like you said, uh, you know, if you've been out on a sailboat in the ocean, you get the sail up and it hits the wind and you go. Like you're just flying, you know what I mean? And, you're, and the captain's yelling out orders. We need more left. We need more right and all that stuff. And he's just doing this. It's just, they're having a great time. And this is what my friend said. And this is what I love, what he said. He said, you know what happened? He said, Never once in that whole time when he was calling out orders and telling me to do stuff, never once did I think in my head, why are we doing this? This is stupid. <laughs> never once did I question that he was telling me the right thing to do. Because how foolish would that be for me, a guy from South Dakota, the most landlocked place in the world, right? Out on the ocean, and this guy who's trying to help win a race, he's giving me directions, and I'm standing there arguing with him. And this is what he said, and don't miss this, church. And I love you. This comes from my heart. He said, I wish that were God's church. I wish as God's church, we could just be united. That we would all be on the same boat. And we would come to a place where we could put the sail up and hit the wind. And we could go like nobody's business. But I wonder how much time that we spend arguing and complaining. And we miss out on what God wants us to do. Church, if we want to be what God wants us to be, we have to learn how to do that 
And, and I believe with all my heart, and I keep saying this, I'm just going to keep saying this, I believe God wants to do something amazing in this community. We're going to have an event. I was just sharing this with our people at, at Communion, and I can't share a lot about it. You'll find out more about it next week. But Saturday, August 22nd, um, is going to be, if you're from Yankton, you know that weekend very well because that was going to be Riverboat Days. That was, And that's a huge hit for our community to not have Riverboat Days. I had a conversation with a couple pastors here in town, and I, and I thought, like, what can we do? How can we do something for the community and, and, and be safe, obviously, with COVID and everything going on? And so we have a really cool thing that's going to be happening that Saturday. Um, I can't tell you about it right now because we're still working out the details, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. And um, Saturday, August 22nd, why I'm telling you that is because here's what's happening in our community that you need to be aware of. There's a group of pastors that God is raising up and saying, it's not about my church, it's about God's kingdom. It's not about like our differences, it's about our unity. And I believe, and I'm praying, and I'm asking you to pray, which is why I'm sharing this, that August 22nd is going to be a moment for our community where we can stand up as God's church and we can say, listen, we're all on different boats, but we all have the same master. And we're all going in the same direction, and we want to take our community in a pretty cool way. And I'm excited for that church, and I want to share that with you, because I believe that God wants us to contribute. And it's not going to happen when we stay in the harbor and stay safe. It's going to happen when we get out in the open ocean and get uncomfortable with where we are. This is a quote that I love. Life is not defined by what you get, but in what you give. Who can you serve today? Who needs your encouragement and friendship today? Over time, people tend to forget what others have accomplished, but they never forget a warm smile, a friendly touch, or words of encouragement. If you hold your people at a distance, it's true, they can't hurt you. But the bad news is, they can't help you either. So one more time, on the count of three, I want you to tell me your name. One, two, three. What's your purpose? What does it mean to live like Jesus? It means we need to be centered. Not on the spirit, not on ourselves, but on our spirit. It means that we're changed. We're, we're, our old self is dead. We, we throw that away. We're done with that. We're living a new life. We are a changed person. The people will take notice of that. We are committed. We say yes to the right things. What are the things in your life you need to say yes to? Because then you'll automatically say no to the wrong things. And we contribute. We're part of the family. We, we serve because our Savior served us. We don't spend arguing time arguing and complaining. We spend time living it out and loving people like that. So um, this week, as I was in my life group, um, and I love my life group, by the way. It's awesome. If you're not in a life group right now, we'd love to get you connected. Um, write that on your connection card. We'll, we'll get you connected with one of those. Um, it's a fantastic thing. And I was in my life group, and we were talking about the message. And I had somebody share this, and I thought this was so good. Um, we're talking about live like Jesus, right? That's our purpose. Live like Jesus. And this is the person that said, you know, I want to live like Jesus, but here's what I think. Instead of living like Jesus, I wonder if I just love like Jesus. And I thought that was powerful. Because see, if you love like Jesus, you're going to automatically live like Jesus. And Peter says this in verse 8. You look at 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all. Church, I know this has been a heavy message. I know there's a lot of content. I, I feel tired just saying it. And I don't want to put too much on you guys. But here's what I want you to understand. If you, if you don't take anything else away from this message, remember this verse. 
And this is what Peter says too, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. There are going to be times on this journey where we disappoint each other. There's going to be times when we disagree. There's going to be times when we get hurt. And there's going to be times we're going to want to quit. There's going to be times we're going to get discouraged. But at the end of the day, church, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. You want to live like Jesus, love like Jesus. And that's how Jesus loved. Jesus loved deeply. Jesus loved recklessly. And that kind of love changed the world. God, I thank you so much for this group of people in this room. And God, I pray that we would do that. We would love each other deeply. God, we know that Jesus, I thank you for the example that you showed us in your, in your life when you came down here, God. And, and you walked among us. You were tempted in every way we were tempted. You were disappointed. You were betrayed. You were lied about. All of those things. And yet you stayed centered. Every day you would spend time with the Father and you would do nothing except what the Father told you. And Jesus, there was something different about you. There was something different about the way that you taught. There was something different about the way that you spoke that just drew people in. And they said, I just want to follow this Jesus. They didn't understand it. They didn't even believe it. But they couldn't get enough of you, Jesus, because there was something different about you. And Jesus, you were committed. You had one goal, and that was to seek and save that which is lost. And on your way to Jerusalem, you said, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be murdered, but don't, don't worry, three days later, I'm going to rise from the grave. And that vision you held on to, you were committed to. Jesus, help us to be committed to the same purpose that we would lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters because our time on earth is short. And Jesus, you gave. You served in so many ways. Help us to be the same way. Help us to contribute, God. And, and I know that everyone here right now might be thinking, what does that mean for me? And, and the answer might be different for everyone in this room based on our gifts and our talents and our abilities that you've given us. But you say in Peter, what we just read, that those gifts were given to serve other people for you, God. So in whatever way we can do that, God, help us to find that. Help us to show us that. And above everything, help us to love the way that you desire. We thank you and we praise you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website at yankton.church. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Celebrate Yankton.